Hey guys, this is Bruce. Welcome to Combo Courses Podcast. We do this once a week and only once a week where we talk about combo courses. We talk about cybersecurity. We talk about GRC. I'm an insider in the GRC world, governance, risk, and compliance, the information security side of cybersecurity. And um, I'm telling you how to get in this field, uh, some of the challenges that I have in this field, how this field works, some of the GRC frameworks and standards. We talk a little bit about that. And that's mostly what my channel is about. Every now and then I'll veer off the beaten path and talk about different cybersecurity things that are happening, such as news or hacks or, or whatever's going on. But um, for the most part, it's about GRC. My specialty is in NIST 800 risk management framework. I'm an information system security officer. I've done this for the private sector, for the public sector. I've done cybersecurity analyst work. I've done consulting. I've done straight up documentation for organizations um, from pharmaceutical organizations to manufacturers to to uh, you name it. So I've been in this field since 2000. So I have a lot of experience. So what I do is I just tell you guys how what I'm doing these days. And, and from my perspective, how you can get in from my perspective, what uh some of the challenges and then i answer questions about it and what i want to get into more of is is bringing in other cybersecurity professionals and have them speak um about what's going on and their perspective on it as well so let's get right into this what i want to do real quick i'm going to give take about i could explain in about 10 minutes iso 27001 so right now i'm writing a book this is the draft this is a word document the draft the book that I'm writing right now is ISO 27001, 2000, uh, 2022. That's the most recent version of the ISM, uh, ISMS. Um, ISMS is Information Security Management System. It's in a fancy way of saying an organization's processes that allow them to have cybersecurity uh, in their organization. And so I want to just take about five minutes 10 minutes to break down, break down what this is. And I feel like I could do it in a diagram. Now I'm working on a diagram right now that um, I just can't, I just broke everything down, uh, making my own. And, and I'm going to make this more uh, prettier here. I'm working on that right now. But right now what you're seeing on the screen is a word document that I put together, a diagram, an infographic that breaks the whole process down, which I'm about to explain to you. Here's how ISO 27001 works. And after I'm done explaining this, it'll make perfect sense, especially if you're familiar with other frameworks. If you're familiar with HIPAA, if you're familiar with NIST 800, if you're familiar with uh, 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 NIST cybersecurity framework, it'll make sense. So the process is broke down by clauses in a document called the ISO 27001. Now, first of all, ISO is an organ is an international body that uh, has a bunch of standards. They have documentation standards. They have uh, materials standards on plastics, on recycling. Um, it's, it's so that all of all the things we take for granted, like making sure that uh, we have the same measurements. And whenever you go to any country, any state, we all have this. We're using kind of the same um, system of metrics, the same system of plastics and all that kind of stuff. Well, ISO is an organization uh, or, or a governing body that comes together and says, OK, here's how we need to have uh, screws, for example. Right. We take these things for granted, but 
it's exact, extremely useful that say this can, for example, has a certain uh, density to it that allows a trash compactor to smash it. You know, like if you if you made this out of certain materials, it could destroy equipment that has to process it, um, either to create it or to uh, to recycle it. So ISO is an organization that comes together and says, yay, verily, all cans will look like this. Well, this organization also has one that governs uh, cybersecurity, and it's called ISO. It's this whole series of documents called ISO 27000. There's 27001, 27002, 3, 4, 5. There's tons of them. There's like 20 different documents. But the, there's uh, one main one that kicks it all off, and that's ISO 27001. And here's how it works. The document is broken out into clauses. It has about... Uh, it has about 10 clauses, but the main ones that you want to focus on are are seven of them. And I'm going to go through them quickly and it'll make a lot of sense, especially if you have access to my diagram. Now, if you don't, you can follow me on Facebook, follow me on YouTube. You'll see what I'm talking about. So this diagram starts off with a planning portion. Actually, let's start in the middle. So it starts off with the organization. All right. Clause four, which is not listed here. Clause four is about the organization. And it's the context of the organization. Very, very important. Now, somebody on TikTok was telling me that they're in the, the medical field. They're in the uh, healthcare industry. That's a very important thing to know if you're an organization in the medical industry <laughs> because they have different threats. They have different business needs. They have different missions that they have to do. That's very, very different from like an Intel uh, organization, for example. Very, very different. They handle information different. They handle uh, uh, their physical security different, everything's different, right? They have different uh, threats, different vulnerabilities. So the context of the organization is very, very important. Um, that is clause four. Clause four addresses that. It's saying the organization really needs to understand their context. What industry are they in? What is their mission? What is their business? What is the main thing that they do? What is the main thing that they protect? Knowing the context of your mission or what you're supposed to do is very, very important. So clause five right in the middle there is leadership. So leadership is super important because you can't, you know, if you've been in IT for some time, if you don't have leadership to properly guide the, uh, to guide the process, nothing's going to get done. Nobody's going to be on the same page. Leadership is very, very important. So clause five talks about the importance of the lead, the leadership being on board with ISO 27001, uh, with establishing an information security management system. So that's leadership. Now, uh, around this, we have a process. This process is, is very common. It's used in software development and engineering, all you name it. And it's called plan, do, check, act. Meaning you, you start by planning, you're going to then after you planned it, you're going to do you're going to implement it or test it. And then you're going to check it, which means making sure it works properly. Um, and then you're going to act, which means improve the process or evaluate the process. So that's kind of the plan, do, check, act. And there's a there's a lot of things that kind of blend together, but they plan, do, check, act, which is used in engineering and software and, and you name it. Um, is a process to kind of keep everybody in an organization on task. So the first step of this is planning. So clause six goes in the planning portion of 
the information security management system. Planning means what types of things are we going to do? What types of things does our organization need to protect it? And how are we going to do it? It's planning. Like we're the leadership is going to plan all of that stuff out before they do anything. We know who's involved. We know what we need to do. Everything's planned out. We have a, we've architected a plan forward. And then do. Do is clause seven, support. So in order to do any of this, we need we need funding. We need to allocate those resources that we have. What resources do we have? What do we need to do? So that is clause seven. Support. Once we have support and we're going forward with what we need to do, um, meaning we're we're starting to implement it. We need to check to make sure that the implementation of uh, of what we're doing is is good. Like we have our we start to put forward our our security controls and everything. We start to do our documentation. We're doing we're taking action and doing we have everything we need to do it. Um, now we're going to check to make sure that this is actually working. This is where Clause 8 comes in, which is operations. Um, this is where we are putting in technical controls. We're making sure those work. And then Clause eight, 9 is evaluation. Evaluation is we put all the stuff in, in, uh, in play, and now we're going to evaluate whether or not it works effectively. Our security controls, have they been installed and configured properly? Um, for our controls on documentation. Are we doing that properly? Are we doing everything we're supposed to do? And then the last step is act. We're going to take action and we're going to improve the process. And that's clause 10. Clause 10 of the ISO 27001 focuses on improvement. And it's an ongoing process. Now, this might sound familiar. All this stuff sounds familiar, especially if you have done NIST 800 Risk Management Framework, because it kind of follows a similar path. Um, because with NIST 800, the first thing you're going to do is figure out what to do. And that's in your um, step one is preparing. In the preparation phase, we're all coming together and saying, OK, what do we need to do? And what does the what does this system need for us to uh, what's the next step for the for to protect the system? And let's gather everybody together. So it's a planning phase. So it kind of NIST. If you look at it, NIST 800 uh, lines up, and not perfectly, but lines up with the ISO 27001. That's why I've said on here. If you understand one uh, one framework, there's a very good chance you can very quickly pick up all the rest of them. And that's what I found in my career. I started off with NIST 800. And I got pulled into another organization, and lo and behold, they need me to do ISO 27001. I'm like, uh, okay, I've never done it before, but let me see. And I start looking at the controls. I'm like, okay, I, this all makes sense. <laughs> it made perfect sense to me. I'm like, all right, got it, got it, got it. So then we start lining up the controls to meet the NIST uh, cybersecurity framework, to meet the uh, risk management framework, and ISO 27001. And oh, by the way, it also matches up with HIPAA. Um, some of the uh, ideas in HIPAA also line up with everything I'm talking about here. So that is it in a nutshell. I'm writing an entire book about this that breaks all of this down, all the stuff that I was showing there, the diagram. I'm making it a little bit more pretty and then writing um, a section on each part of this so that you can kind of take this, the guide that I'm doing and then just go through it. 
one thing that shocked me as I was doing my research to go like deep dive into each one of these parts is I purchased the ISO 27001, which is not cheap, by the way. <laughs> it's not cheap. And it's a little thin. Uh, it's about $130 for a 26-page book. I mean, I don't want to give away the ending of it of it or anything, but it's... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think if, if you have it in your organization, you should get it. Your organization should pay for it. But you're going to need some help because it's pretty thin. Like you start reading the part, the chapters, and it's like, I mean, it's 26 pages. So what I've done is I take it and just expand out uh, what they have there. So that's coming soon, probably within the next 30 days. I'm going to be releasing that. And if you're on my newsletter, I normally give it to my people for free so I can get some reviews on there. So just keep on the lookout for that. It's coming out within i'll say the next 30 days i'm actually on the first draft second i'm on the second draft of it right now putting everything together so all right let me answer some questions i got a bunch of people following me on TikTok already and somebody said um got about 13 people watching me the lead says would having a security plus or degree over a year of sock be enough to land a grc job yes it would you just got to you got to do your um, resume correctly. Like your resume needs to fit what it is the demand of the field is. And the demand is putting the standards on your resume. What they want to know is now it depends on your industry. But somebody said that they were healthcare, right? So they want to put health, they want to put HIPAA, how they've either helped have developed a HIPAA policy, how they've helped to adhere to HIPAA standards how they've helped to uh, do procedures right or modify or edit procedures, policies or processes that deal with HIPAA. Um, they'd want to they'd want to show that they understand HIPAA very well. And uh, they want to they'd want to show how they not only understand HIPAA, but they know how it applies to information technology. That's what they want to um, put on the resume. Now, if you are in a different industry like retail, you don't want to put you'd want to focus on PCI compliance because that's what they use. That's the standard they use. And I was explaining the ISO 27001 here earlier, but each industry has something that's similar to what I just explained. They have some sort of a process of planning, support, operations, uh, and continuous improvement on the processes that are required to maintain the security posture of the organization and it's a fancy way of saying to maintain the security the the actual computer and physical security within their organization within their store within their hospital within their medical practice whatever it happens to be so that's the kind of stuff that they want to see on your resume now if you're in like me you're in the department of if you're in the government so then you need to <laughs> You'll, you you need to put NIST 800. You need to put NIST risk management framework. Um, you need to put that you know system security plans. That's one of the documents that are that are used to manage security, that to track and to identify uh, and explain the security features that are on a system. Those are the kinds of things that you need to put on your resume. So you having a SOC experience. SOC is extremely pivotal. It's a great pivotal role. It's like it's like help desk. Like it's one of those roles that you can go many, many different directions. 
but sock even more so than help desk because you you've gotten to have a peek into them some of the main serious features of a good system security program a cybersecurity program so you've gotten exposure to incident response you've gotten exposure to vulnerability management patching you've gotten exposure to some of the documentations that are required uh some of the documentation that's required to maintain a security program so that said you got to get that stuff on your resume now if you're looking for some guidance on that i got you you can go to convocourses.net you can download my resume for free it's a real resume it's what i've used for the last oh man four years i've been evolving and changing it recently i've changed it i haven't updated the one that's on the site but you can download mine for free and get an idea of what kind of framework how to word the stuff around your framework stuff and you'll see that i focus mostly on what i've done to help maintain the the cybersecurity program using those frameworks that i mentioned that's the kind of stuff you need to put on your resume somebody said um rmf iat level two or three cert okay i don't know if that's a question or a statement but i personally have both of those i have a iat level two certification and an iat level three certification i'm i hope i'm answering this correctly so what they're saying here and let me break this down. I'm I'm sure it sounds like real cryptic to somebody who's not in this field. They, they're I guess they're asking about risk management framework, which is a cybersecurity program that guides federal systems. And IAT means information assurance technical. So that is a fancy way of of put of how they explain different levels of certifications on something called the 88140 even on as i'm saying it it just sounds like crazy nonsense <laughs> because there's a bunch of acronyms and stuff but they're they're talking about certifications that go in a certain level like for example uh they've rated security plus as an iat level one and two for example and i think that's i don't know if they've switched it and then a cissp is an iat level three certification different levels that represents different tiers within an organization, covers different uh, parts of an of a information system. Um, okay, so what what is your take on a SOC future with all the AI that's coming? I think that AI is going to be a really, really, really good uh, menu for us, for cybersecurity. I don't believe it's going to replace us. I think somebody who knows how to use AI will replace people who don't know how to use AI. Um, I, I'm not one of these people who are doing what we call a doomer, who thinks that AI is going to come and be like the Terminator, take over the world and shit like that. Um, I think that's a real one dimensional way to think about it. I think it's going to complicate our world and change humanity in the same way phones and uh, social media did. We're going to have to learn it. Every person's going to have to have to learn it. And those who don't are going to be left in the dark. I don't think it's going to replace all jobs or anything like that. It's cybersecurity is mostly a human problem. That's why. As I spilled drink all over myself. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Shout out Larry. Thanks, Larry. So, uh, yeah. So, um, like I was saying, AI is not going to replace us. Somebody who knows AI is going to replace you. Somebody who knows how to do prompt engineering, somebody who understands how it works, how, how to use that in conjunction with whatever technology you're using. I'll give you an example. Right now, AI is really, really useful for learning. Like if you happen to be trying to get into IT, if you go into chat GPT, if you go into bard.google.com, if you go to perplexity, that's another good one. If you go to any one of these uh, LLMs, large language models, if you start learning them now, um, it's a it's a really good way to to practice your certifications. If you're going for Security Plus or CEH or whatever, it can make practice questions. And while you're doing this, it's a great way to learn how to use prompt engineering. That stuff is gonna is slowly right now being is being uh, being put into some of the main technology we currently rely on right now. It's on your phone right now. It's on. It's being put on some of the apps. If you use WhatsApp, it's already being implemented on WhatsApp. If you use uh, what's that Snapchat shit? That it's being. It's already on Snapchat. Um, it's being slow. It's being put into Facebook. It's being put into uh, all the search engines. Already have it. They they dove right into it. Um, if you have uh, whatever. Your phone, your phone right now, they're already putting it in Google Assistant. They're already putting it in Alexa. They're already putting it in, they're putting it everywhere. And one of the things is, one of the greatest features about it is it's like a really, really good menu because you could just talk to it like normal. Like I'm talking to you, you just ask it something and it'll do it. I mean, and it's not super accurate, right? It's not 100% accurate. Like the way that people are talking about it are, are from, it's coming from a lot of journalists who haven't even used it who don't, you can tell when people haven't used it because they say things like, oh, it's going to take over the world. It's like, if you use it long enough, you start to see that it hallucinates. Some of the information is not accurate. You got to double check everything it does, especially in, if you're in cybersecurity. You got to double check every damn thing it says because some of it's not accurate. Um, you still, if even if you're programming, you still have to know Python. Like if you're doing Python, if you're trying to teach it, you still have to know some Python to get it to work properly. You're gonna have to know something to know why it's not working or why how to integrate what it just told you into a framework to use the Python scripts or whatever you're doing. You got to know something about something, right? But it definitely is a great leverage because it could it could literally write all the code for you, but you still have to know how to get it to be interpreted on whatever system you're using. So it's a great tool. Uh, as far as our industry, Security Operations Center, or if you happen to be in GRC, it's just going to help us to do this job better. And, and since in the U.S., we don't have the bodies to do this work, at last four or five jobs I've been at, it's overwhelming because there's just not enough people coming in this field. But there's a lot of people, boomers retiring and stuff. It's leaving a vacuum. Meanwhile, gov the, these corporations are so greedy. They won't hire people. They're slow to hire people because they... And so what's happening is like people like myself in this field are just like overwhelmed because we have so much work. There's not enough. You guys are not. I don't know what you guys are doing, but you guys are not coming in this field. <laughs> You're not doing it. So it's more work for us. And so I'm I, for one, welcome AI because it's going to help my job. 
go uh, be easier. Uh, so it's more leverage for me. Is it going to replace us? Not yet. Maybe maybe in about 20 years. Is it 10? Maybe in about 10 years. It Maybe. Uh, they'd have to change the entire infrastructure to do that. So I don't, I don't even know how that would work. I don't even know how that would work. Uh, somebody said, I've only studied red, blue, and purple. Oh, for the security color wheel. Awesome. Got to look more into that. Sounds cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I do. Let me see if I can find that real quick. We were talking earlier about the color wheel that they have out there, and I can't remember who came up with that little clever way of, of breaking out information security uh, jobs, but it's called the Cyber Security Color Wheel. It looks a little something like this. If you happen to be following me on on um, YouTube, on the tubes, and nope, that's not it. Let me see if I can find it. Here, it's it's something like this. It looks a little something like this. If I can get this a little bit bigger, so they have the primary colors. Uh, where you have a blue team, which is defense, security. Um, defensive security, the defenders, and then you have a red team, right? Those are primary colors. That's the of offensive security. You're the breakers, the hackers, the, the those kind of guys. Very, very important to have those two because the red team, what it does effectively is figure out where the holes are. It's kind of like it's kind of like if you want to if you have a boat and you're trying to figure out where the holes are, the best way is to put it in the water or pour water inside of it to see if any holes are leaking. That's kind of what Red Team does. Red Team is trying to figure out if there's any holes in your in your defenses, right, other than firewall, because you could have things like, a good example of this is if you ever worked in any organization where you had a computer, one of the biggest ways to get into um, any organization is phishing attacks. Because what they'll do, what what criminal attackers will do is they'll send out a fake email that looks like a FedEx from something from FedEx is sent to you. I have a little attachment to there. And people who don't know any better will just open that email up and then click on the link or click or download a PDF, right? And thinking as a package or a, an invoice to something you supposedly bought. And they'll click on it and it'll just be a Trojan horse. It'll just be a way to get it'll it'll open a, a door to allow the attacker to come in or download a little piece of code that will make a back door into the network. Pretty clever, right? Well, that's red team type stuff right there. That's one of the easiest ways is for them to attack the layperson who's at the other end of that endpoint device on their computer. They're sitting on their laptop, on their phone or whatever, and that's their, their business phone. Well, that phone or that that laptop, that computer already has access inside your network. So if you open up a, a hatch and let people in, you know, then they don't need to go through your firewall. You just let them in. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Got some more stuff here on TikTok. Someone said, uh, would you advise IT IT degree or cybersecurity degree? Um, I'm not sure which way, which approach 
So what I did, so the question is, let me actually, let me just remove this here. The question is, um, would I advise somebody to get an IT degree or cybersecurity degree? And they don't know which way they want to go. So what I did was I was also in the same boat. I knew I wanted to do IT, but I didn't really know at the time I really wanted to do cybersecurity. So I got a degree in a bachelor's degree in information and technology because it was broad enough to where I could go whatever direction I wanted. And when you get out in the field, you'll find that most organizations are not really picky on whether you went to an Ivy League school or MIT or some kind of, you know, some school like a private school, whatever. Right. They don't typically they don't care about that. Um, mostly some do. Don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. Some do. But most of them, 99.9 percent .9 of them don't give a damn whether you went to Yale or or Community College of the Air Force. Right. They don't care. They just want they just want to see that they're just trying to mark off a box in. You have an associate's degree. You have a bachelor's degree because that is the terms of the contract that they have to this other business, this other organization. So they don't care about, you know, it, whether you went to this prestigious college. Um, do they look at the actual degree is your question? If you have a computer degree, that's what they want to see, a computer degree. That's the most as far as degrees go, that computer degree is going to go. Uh, it's going to go a long way. That said, they will take STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. They'll take they'll take STEM STEM with experience. Usually, I'm just telling you what usually happens. There's always exceptions to every rule. Okay, so just bear with me here. Let me just. I just kind of want to show you the landscape of what's happening in this in this field. This is coming from somebody who's been hired to diff 10 different organizations and also been on the side that's hiring. Like I've been the person that says, OK, let me look at this resume. Let me see what we got going on here. You know, I've been on both sides. So listen. What they really want is experience. Number one, let's just let's just get this is clear the air. They really want experience. They would hire a dude with experience with no degree if that if that person knows exactly what the hell's going on because they're trying to solve a problem. That's what you're trying to do as an IT professional is solve uh, a problem for that organization. They need a skilled person to come in there and do what they do, work their magic. That could be to run their Nessus scans. That could be to do their GRC program. That could be to manage their IT department. That could be whatever, right, to fix uh, laptops. It could be whatever it is. The the main thing they need is experience. Somebody who just come, could come in there and do what needs to be done. That said, a degree is is powerful because you're competing against other people. Now, if if it's you who has a degree and experience over a person who has just experience, you're going to win. Period. You're going to win. So the degree helps you get in the door. Um, and it's very, very competitive. So a degree is really important in the technical field. I know people are, there's this narrative saying, oh, you don't need a degree. Uh, oh, you know, you don't. <clears throat> Listen, having a degree is better than not having a degree. I think we could all agree on that one. But um, what I'm saying is the main thing they look for is experience. 
So if you have experience, if you happen to be a vet, that's that's a huge bonus because normally vets have experience. Um, so that that's a huge, huge bonus. Now, if you're not a vet, you have a degree, um, but you don't have experience, it's going to be harder for you. It's going to be hard. That's, that, that doesn't mean impossible. It's just going to be harder for you. What degree would I recommend? If you don't know what to, what to do, I would recommend an information technology degree because, you know, you could go to cloud. You can go to cybersecurity. You can go whatever route. Now, the best degree programs, the best curriculums, in my opinion, are the ones that have like some sort of hands on um, labs, the ones that have like. Um, if they're if you're learning software engineering, they're going to have you do software engineering. You're going to actually develop some programs. Uh, also, another really good thing to look for is if the if they have a program where they're going to when you get out, not only do you have a degree, but you have a certification. Those are really good, too. So look for that. So, yeah, if you don't know what you're if you don't know what you want, then I would recommend an information technology, something broad, something that's going to that you can go any different direction. But if you know for sure you want a cybersecurity degree, then that's going to be your if you know you want to have a career in cybersecurity, then a cybersecurity degree is is your is going to is going to win because it's going to it's going to make it so that you can hit the ground running. And if you are a student before you get out, don't wait. Don't wait for a job. Try to get one while you're in college. Now, I know that sounds like crazy talk, but you can be a working student. They got working student programs that you can do. They've got um, internships, apprenticeships. Do that immediately. So I hope that helps. We use ISO 45001. Hmm, what is that? I wonder. Is that is that OSHA safety standards? ISO, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of guessing here. It's oh, it is. Oh shit, that was a good guess. <laughs> that was a good guess. International standards for occupational health and safety management systems. Hmm. Hmm. I'll put that on my resume if I were you. And then I would also put ISO twenty seven thousand and one too. I would find a way to put that on there. Dame, how you doing, my man? How's it going? I'm just doing some my my normal live stuff that I do every week. Dame is my as a friend from uh, childhood. We went to freaking elementary together. Did we go to elementary or just high school? We go way, way, way back. <laughs> this dude knows stuff about me that nobody knows. Um, do you know how to code? This is a good question. I do not know how to code. Um, I have been doing this for twenty years. I've been doing cybersecurity for 20 years. I mostly do GRC. Um, and I don't know how to code. Have I done it before? Yes, I've done it before. I, back when, I don't know if you guys remember this, but back during the app Gold Rush, when everybody was making millions off of apps, I wrote my own app. Me and a friend of mine, we wrote an app. Um, I'm, very, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I'm terrible at it. Um, but I do, I, I taught myself and I did it and I didn't make any money off of it. So, <laughs> um, but it hasn't been used for my job. I have not get, gotten into a position where I had to code. They didn't, there wasn't a requirement that said, I make, I make, uh, six figures and I work from home. So you don't know how to, you don't have to know how to code to get, to, uh, get into this field. Does it help? It does. 
what I've noticed is anybody who knows how to code is immediately expedited to a higher position. Like they're immediately given more money. They're immediately put in a different position. They're putting in, 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 in positions of power. They're, coding is, is invaluable. Like if you know how to code, that's really good. But do you have to? No, you don't. Um, International Organization for Standardization. And then somebody said, ISO 27,122 uh, um, contains clauses 4 through 10 uh, and 93 controls. I think it's 114 controls, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, and then you say, I'm a lead. Okay, then you're, you know more than I do. <laughs> I'm a lead auditor for ISO 27001. And then he names a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. This this right here, if you know ISO 27001, what I found is whenever I put on my resume, I'm a GRC guy. And whenever I put on my resume anything about GR about um ISO 27001, um ISO 27001, NIST 800 risk management framework. Um, what's another really good one? I'm trying to think of the most marketable ones that I put on there that have gotten me jobs the fastest. NIST, CSF are have been the top ones. And then the other ones in order have been HIPAA. Um, recently, Cloud, they've been asking me about a lot about Cloud's uh, FedRAMP, which is a is a, a standard to help you to to secure your uh, your federal information system for cloud cloud based federal information systems so a hipaa cloud stuff and then pci compliance sometimes so if you know any of those you're going to get a job easy i mean of course you got to tighten up your resume it has to be on your resume they have to know that you're trying to do it so context also involves issues that might affect intended outcomes of the organization's strategic plan. Yeah, my man knows what's up. <laughs> my man knows what's up. Clause four, the context of the organization, it is. Um, clause five, leadership. Clause six, planning. Clause seven, support. Clause eight, operations. Cloud, uh, clause nine, uh, evaluation. Yep, we use PD, PCDA. Uh, you mean... PC, yeah, PDCA in uh, safety. Yep. This is all ISO stuff is really, really, really powerful to put on your resume. And that's why I start covering it because it's been, it's been, it's been popping up throughout the years. And I was surprised when I actually did it for the first time, how closely it aligned to some of the other stuff I've already been doing. A7 physical controls. Oh, you're talking about 2013, aren't you? Because because 2013 starts with the A dot. Am I right or am I wrong? I can help you review your book. Oh shit. Um. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Maybe we could do that. Uh, hit me up if you're serious, man. Um, I do need some book reviewers. So send me uh, an email. On uh, it's con contact at combocourses.com, and uh, I can send you a copy of it once I once I get 
further into the process. I'm still in like the second. Larry, how you doing, man? Doing great. Just getting out of a busy week. Oh, man, I was, I was super busy this week. My man, Larry. Nate, how you doing, man? Hey, thank you so much, man. Thank you guys for the for the drinks. Any kind of donations, I use it to get these drinks right here just to help me get through get through these two-hour, one-hour, two-hour sessions. Nate Dowd, thank you for that nine bucks, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, Let me see. I'm reading through TikTok. I got a whole bunch of TikTok stuff going on right now, so I'm trying to get through these as fast as I can. I'm not ignoring you guys. I got, I got like three or four different lives going on at once. For the first time, I've gotten uh, interested in TikTok. Wow. Okay. Let me see. I'm more so trying to break into cybersecurity through GovTech. Yeah. So if you're, if you're interested in government stuff, especially if you're help desk and trying to do GRC, the GRC stuff is NIST 800 Risk Management Framework. What kind of jobs should, uh, what kind of jobs should we apply to get into the field? So Onyx, it depends on where, where you are. Like I would answer the question based off of where a person is. And somebody answered your question. They said, I know people in the field and I've been told help desk is a good intro for a job experience, but you want to do what you do want is to scale up progressively. This is absolutely correct. So help desk, I you can't lose with starting with help desk. You just can't lose. Um, it's going to give you experience. It's going to help you to know the field. It's going to help you know if you want to do it or not. Help desk is really the first place to start. But it really depends on where who's asking, right? If you ask me, okay, where do I start? How do I get into that? Let's be specific. Let's say you already are on the help desk, but you are trying to do GRC work. If this is the case, then uh, your next step is to focus on one field to start to uh, be targeted. Now, if you're trying to do GRC type work, you're going to want to target a standard or framework. ISO 27001 is a good one. NIST 800 risk management framework is another great one. Uh, but there's many other standards, and it depends on what industry you're trying to get into. You might already be in one of those industries. Somebody earlier said, "Hey, I'm in healthcare. I want to do, I want to do what you're doing, but I'm in healthcare. How do I do that?" And so I, I mentioned, "Hey, HIPAA is, is really good. ISO, I believe ISO has a, some version of HIPAA, but let me see if I'm. I don't want to lie to you or anything. Uh." I think that what you would want to do if you are in healthcare, I mean, you said somebody asked me about it, and I think that they're already doing ISO 27001. So you might already be aligned with it. And I believe the best way to go would be to do ISO 27001 2022. That would be the best way to go about it. Because most organizations, that need a certification for ISO, and there's a there's an auditor on here who could correct me if I'm wrong. But any organization, whether you're in the healthcare industry or you're in banking, if you're using if you're using ISO, 
ISO 27001 is is what you're going to have to know to get the certification. I don't think there's a special. They might use HIPAA in in conjunction with ISO 27001. So I would I would learn that standard if you're in the healthcare industry. ISO 27001 and HIPAA uh, would be two good ones to do. But if you're in the government sector, it's risk management framework. Um, is QA better than cybersecurity? I can't speak on QA. I can't. I have a QA experience, but not cybersecurity. Which would you? Which would be better? Um, I I can't speak on QA work. I don't know how much you guys get paid. I don't know what you guys do. I can't compare it because I don't. I've never done that before. Somebody else on this call might. So I'll. You know, some maybe somebody will be able to to uh, to give you some advice on that. But I I don't. I'm not qualified to do that. Somebody said plan on going back to school soon was. Doing computer science uh, going to change to cybersecurity? Not a bad choice. I think it's a great choice. Lily says, hello, cyber party people. <laughs> so Lily, uh, I've been trying to get Lily on here. So because Lily is a um, is a freaking um, machine learning scientist who's in the field. Isn't that crazy? Meeting all kinds of people. I just wanted basic questions, I, but Lily's shy, so I don't know if she'll ever join me on this. I just have just questions like, how, what's the field like? What what kinds of things does she do? And like, what? I, it would just be basic questions. I just I'm I'm not familiar with machine learning, so it would be educational for myself and and everybody else on here. So, uh, what's my thoughts on uh, Sans? SEC uh, SEC 301. Um, all the SANS stuff is really, really good. Uh, it's top-notch stuff. It's very, very expensive, but it's what I've seen from people who come out of those courses are, are very, very sharp people. So it's introduction to cybersecurity training course. Any kind of anything coming from SANS Institute is fire. So you won't see me talk bad about anything SANS has. Because the people who the quality of people who've come out of there has has blown my mind every time. Now, I don't know what the hell they're putting in the in the soup over there, but those guys, they're they're <laughs> some people coming out of there are really really sharp. So um, I think it's, if you have a if you have an opportunity to do any kind of sand stuff, I would do it. Uh, let me see here. ISO 27001 2013 contains 114 controls, but uh, 2022 contains 93. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you. Thanks for that. OWASP. I have not spoken on OWASP. Uh, I, I've gotten a couple of people asking me to speak on it, and at some point, I just might. Um, do I need a degree to secure cybersecurity, uh, to get a cybersecurity job? No. Um, I have a web development, a de web developer background. No. Um, do you need a degree to do a cybersecurity job? No. Um, does it help? Yes. But do you, need, do you absolutely need one? No. So what you could do from software, if I was a software engineer, 
web developer, what you could do is focus on the security of websites. You could even start your own practice on that because you being a software developer, a web developer, you'll know you'll know little things that site owners should know to secure their website. Like if you use uh, uh, some kind of blogging platform, you'll know that plugins have problems if you're not updating them on a regular basis. You'll know certain certain uh, flaws that are in source code that that need to be fixed. You'll know um, you'll know secure methods of tying your website to a database. You'll know. Uh, little bits of HTML that you don't want to put that are that are exploitable. You'll know that kinds of stuff. So you could actually, right now, you could put that you are a security um, focused web developer because you know things more than likely that most people on this call, ninety percent of the people on this call, don't know about security. I only know a little bit because. I've been hacked so many times on my website. <laughs> I've been hacked so many times. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, you, there's certain things that you got to do on your website. If you don't do it, your shit's going to get hacked. So you could, you actually already know some security. You got to put it on your resume. Can your question is, can you get in a position without a degree? You could right now. You could right now. You'd have to put it on your profile on LinkedIn, on Monster, on Dice. You got to put it everywhere. Um, you could even start be an independent uh, freelancer and and do it for people, you know, for at a cost. Uh, and if you've ever done it before, you need to put that on your resume. If you've ever secured your own website, you need to put that under your business on your resume, on your profile. Uh, I know, I know people who are in cybersecurity who do not have a degree. Um, usually they have experience though. They usually have some level of experience. So I just want to qualify that. So, and they're usually super, super sharp dudes who have a lot of experience behind them and they don't necessarily, they can't, can, you know, you know, they're my first couple mentors, IT mentors did not have a degree and they're the most brilliant people I've ever met. And, um, they didn't, they started, they have a degree now, like, you know, 10 years later or whatever, but they didn't have a degree when we first started, man, the smartest people I met and they got hired based off their experience. So yeah, you can, you could totally do cybersecurity without, now you got to find the job. It's going to be hard to find a job that's not looking for it, that, that does not require a degree to get into those positions, but they do exist. Uh, let me see here. Somebody said I was wrong. I'm wrong about the the controls. I'm right. Let me show you. Let me see if I can open it up. I have I have a copy of the ISO 27001 2013 and 2022. Let's see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. 
Um, I sold twenty seven thousand and two. I sold twenty. I sold twenty seven thousand and I've got twenty thirteen and I've got twenty twenty two. Let me see if I can pull it up. I'm not afraid to be wrong. Um, especially, I mean, you did school me on the 93. I think you're right about that. I said that there was uh, 114 controls. You said there was 93. I think you, you might be right. about. I might have been mixing up the 2013 versus 2022. What we're talking about is I was talking about ISO 27001 because I'm actually writing a book on it right now. It's in uh, it's in the second draft and I'm, I'm breaking it all the way down. And so I was there happens to be an ISO 27001 auditor on here. So this guy's seen this 100 times. And um, I said something that that he believes is wrong, that I believe is right. <laughs> I'm just saying that because I just looked at it. I mean, I think he's right about the controls, but the actual naming convention of the controls uh you are wrong sir um yeah i'm looking at it right now so what what we're going back and forth about is the naming conventions of iso 27001 2013 starts with an a and iso 27001 2022 it doesn't start with an a it's just start it goes from 5 to 8 uh, but the old one that was a dot five, whatever. So I don't know. It, it doesn't matter, guys. Like we're just we're kind of going back and forth on stuff that most people don't even know what the hell we're talking about. So let's just keep going. Mr. Mike T. Man, how you doing, sir? And Nate says he's he's started in uh, Space Force with an ISO job. That's awesome, man. Congrats, Nate. Congrats. That's how you do it. Somebody says, how would you recommend moving to GRC from a senior engineering type role? I have a CCNP uh, and a master's degree in science. Um, how would you recommend moving to GRC from a senior engineering type role? Um, I would have to see your resume, Pete, but it's going to be the same advice that I give everyone i'm pretty sure i mean i'd have to see a resume but what these employers are looking for with uh and anybody else who you know wants to chime in who's a grc person try, you know feel free to add stuff here i don't know everything you know i'm i'm wrong somebody called me out on my bullshit a couple times listen i'm just i'm going to tell you from experience what you need to do if you're trying to get into a grc role is you got to highlight the security things the security that you have done in your career. Um, specifically with GRC, you need to focus on the frameworks. Now, what framework you use depends on what industry you want to get into. Um, and each industry has certain frameworks, standards, and laws that they use. For example, if you're in the healthcare industry, if you're doing a private practice, if you are in some clinic that has nothing to do with the military and nothing to do, have no retail, they're going to just straight up do HIPAA. They're not going to do NIST 800. They're not going to do, you know, they're just going to, it's going to be HIPAA. It might be HIT trust. Now, if it's, if it's an 
if it's a healthcare industry that has ties to the veteran affairs department of veteran affairs, then yeah, they're going to probably do NIST 800. What I'm trying to get at is I'm not trying to get you to memorize, show you how smart I am with, with, with standards. No, no, absolutely not. I'm just telling you what you have to put on your resume. What the employers are looking for is your knowledge and your skill set uh, in accordance with what standards they're looking for. So if it's in retail, it's PCI compliance. If it's healthcare, it's HIPAA. If it's the government, it's NIST 800 and NIST CSF. If it's an international organization, or actually not just international organizations, but many, many organizations use it. ISO 27001 uh, is really, really good for international type organizations. Like I, the ones that I've used it for are, they're, they're large enough organizations that they're in multiple countries. They're, they're here, they're in South America, they're in uh, parts of Europe. They have an, a satellite office in these places. So they use ISO 27001. Plus they'll use, if they're in the US and they're working with the government, they'll use ISO 27, they'll use ISO 27001, but they'll also use NIST 800. So all I'm saying is what you got to, Pete, what you got to do is put that on your resume. You have to put the standards on your resume. Now, if you're thinking, Bruce, well, I don't have, I'm not doing you know, these standards. Uh, I think that you are, sir. That's where you'd be wrong. You're using them. A lot of times us in these roles don't know we're using them. For example, you said you have a CCNP. So at some point on your CCNP, maybe you've applied, say, port security, right? Why did you do it? Because the organization told you to. Why did they tell you to do it? Because it's in their security policy that we will do this. Why is, why is it in their security policy? Their security policy points back to some law, some standard, or some framework. Security policies are based off of laws, frameworks, and standards. So you, in effect, have been complying with one of those standards. You just, you just didn't know. So what I would do if I were you is I would look at the organization that you're in. What industry is it? Whatever industry it is, they are for sure using some sort of standard. For sure. If you see no standard, more than likely they're using something called CIS uh, V8. Look it up. And when you look up those controls, you'd be like, oh, shit, this is what we've been this is what we've been doing. Another one is OWASP. No, people don't really talk about that one, but that's another standard. You want to put those standards that have that are managing their security policies. You want to put the standard on your resume. Find a way to do it. You have been doing some of this work. You just don't know what standard it is. You don't know what law it is. You don't know what standard it is. You got to figure that out. You got to get that on your resume. Now, if you want to get some information, if you want to know how to articulate it, how to explain it and put it on your resume, you can download mine. Mine's for free. I've mostly NIST 800. I got some ISO 27001 stuff on there, but mostly it's risk management framework. Um, but it'll tell you how to art, how to explain it, how it, how to put it on your resume, how to word it. Hope that helps you out, Pete. Uh, let me, um, I got so many people on, uh, I'm not ignoring you guys on TikTok. I just, 
it's kind of scrolling pretty fast. I'm trying to hit everybody's uh, comments here. Uh, somebody said, started a job working in secure environment, uh, CMMC level two. Recommend any books, topics to read about it. Mm. There's a bunch of free stuff on the CMMC level two. There's a couple books on Amazon. I haven't gotten around to writing this one. Um, but there's some stuff out there. You don't have to spend that much money to do CCMC. Another one place to look is um, NIST. Google this if you, this is free. NIST, go to Google, Bing, whatever. NIST 800-171. You probably already know that. So that one, read up on that. That's another resource for you. Um, there's a bunch of downloadables for you. Um, I haven't had time to like tackle that framework just yet. I would like to put something together on it and then reach back to some of my professionals I know who are in that field who do it every day and then um, get it peer reviewed and all that kind of stuff and then put something out there on it. I'm working on it. I just got to do one thing at a time. Right now it's ISO 27001. So um, yeah, free resources. Go to Google, um, type in ISO, um, NIST. 800-171. That's a real good one. It'll give you some information. I believe 171 is different from CMMC level two, but it'll give it'll it's going down the same path. It's going to help you uh, out a lot. Another resource is that you could use is NIST 800 because um, the CMMC, if I'm not mistaken, and um, NIST 800-171 pull a lot from NIST 800 uh, controls, control families. NIST 800-53 uh, to be specific. So those are some resources you can use right there. And then Amazon has a bunch of books on CMMC level two. They're not good books because I haven't written them any. I haven't written them yet. So <laughs> why do people uh, get... Why do people want to get in GRC so bad? Um, the reason why is because it pays really good. There's no competition. It's uh, it's recession proof because they always need people to do it. It it pays really good, and then a lot of now I wouldn't say a lot, but many jobs are remote work from home. It's it's like non technical IT that pays well. That's why. Um, that said, you do need to have a background in information technology, but I'm not, for example, I don't have hands on the firewall, if that makes any sense. I'm not the one fixing all the systems. I'm not the one who has to know how to script and do Perl and Python and PHP. I'm not the, I do have to know what it is. I have to know, I have to research vulnerabilities. I have to know what the organization needs. It does get stressful because I'm talking to assholes at every level of my organization, peer assholes, management assholes, customer assholes, and the worst of all, uh, upper level management assholes. I have to deal with all of them. And, um, you know, not, not to say all of them are assholes, but it only takes like 0.1% to ruin your entire week. So, <laughs> so that's probably the biggest challenge of GRC, but it pays good. It's recession proof. I don't have to worry about finding a job. That's really cool. That's why people are wanting the GRC. Military is honestly a great way to get into IT. 
met so many people in my unit making six figures and all and they all had degrees in other fields. Yeah, military is is a uh, is a really really good way to get your your feet wet. If you have no other choices, um, I wouldn't even say if you have no other choices. I don't want to I don't want to make it sound bad. I'm not trying to come down on the military. Military has helped me out quite a bit. The Department of Defense for all the flaws and all the bullshit that you got to put up with. It's actually if you use the resources that they have available. It's a great, great resource. And this one of the greatest things looking back that they gave me is experience. That experience is there's no price tag on it. Um, and that's those people I told you about who didn't have a degree, uh, who were some of the smartest people I've ever met. They were all they were both military. The two guys who I'm talking about. I, I hope one day I can have one of them on here. Um my mentor, somebody who started off as my mentor, and this dude's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He didn't have a degree, and they hired him because of his military experience. And um, yeah, it's it's. I have to agree with you, uh, phony, phony, funny. Uh, I have to agree with you. It's yeah, military is a really really good way to get your foot in the door and have that experience level. Uh, let me see. You are doing a great job. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. All right. I got through all the questions. That's awesome. Okay. So what what else are we going to... Let me see what else I got to talk about. It's only one hour in, and I went through every question. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um. Oh, I know what I can do. Lily, so at what point are you going to educate us on uh, machine learning? I'm really interested in learning. It would be basic questions. You don't even have to show your face. You, I, you would just hear your voice and you could tell us about machine learning. Not now, not now, sometime in the future, build yourself up to it. Um, or maybe we could even do a recorded, pre-recorded session and I post it later and allow you to edit it. Or we can even do, uh, what else can we do? We could do, I just, I'll ask you questions on text and then I'll send them to you. You answer them and then I'll do an AI where it has your voice. It has an AI of your voice, a fake voice. <laughs> Those are some options and that I just, it would be really cool to learn uh, machine learning and um, have somebody speak on it who's in that field. Machine learning is is an offshoot of artificial intelligence. So that's why I'm very, very interested in it. Um, let me see, I barely obtained my cybersecurity certification and I was wondering if I can land a job like help desk. Y yes, um, it's gonna be, more difficult. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you that say you can get a job immediately. You got to work for it because what they're really looking for is experience. They're not really looking. A degree is great. A certification, people can get those. Um, but experience is really what they're, what they're needing. And what you're trying to do is come in and just, you're coming in with no experience. You, they, you can find these jobs. They do exist but you're going to have to look for them. One of the things, let me see if I can show you how to do it. If you go to LinkedIn, most of the job aggregators have what I'm about to show you. Let me see if I can, I'm going to try to show you what I'm talking about right now. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Let me just uh, get this set up and then I'll show you my screen. So I'm going to go to 
let's say you were looking for an help desk. Let's just help desk. Help desk. Okay, let me show you my screen, guys. So I've got somebody with no experience, and they're asking, with the certification, how can they get in? Um, you definitely have, you're on the right track. You want to do like an entry-level help desk type job. But let me show you what I mean. So right now I'm on my I'm on my LinkedIn. You're going to see my face on here, so bear with me. Um, it's going to get kind of weird. I'm going to try to show you this. So I'm on LinkedIn. You can do this with Indeed and some other places. I'm help desk. Watch this. I'm going to search help desk. Right. So all I did is I'm searching help desk and I'm going to go to jobs. OK, I'm on jobs. Right. And then I've got all of these 18000 jobs. Now, what we want to do is go to experience level. Right. You got all of these different things. So let's go to entry level. There's now we're down to 11,000 jobs. Now what we want to do is there's another filter I'm looking for, and not every job aggregator has it. I'm looking for something called uh, no experience. Um, and I'm filtering. What I did was I'm looking for more filters over here. And I don't know if, if Indeed has it, but some of the other ones, I mean, LinkedIn has it, but some of the other ones do. So, no, I'm not seeing it here. But what, let me show you another thing we can do. Search by people, jobs. Let's see, jobs. See if there's anything else. Doesn't look like, I only see, I only see uh, entry level. Okay, no, I don't, I don't see it. Okay, so let's just go ahead and search. Do a search. And there's a tier level one. But you want something with no experience, right? So now let's do this. Let's type in no experience. No experience. So now we're looking for job, IT jobs with no experience. They do exist. They're here. You got to look for them. There's not going to be many of them, okay? No jobs found right now. But what we can do is uh, let's do this. Let's go to let's go to links. No, let's go to Indeed. Not easy to find, but I know what you're talking about. They do exist. So we're about to find some. Let's go help desk, help desk. Okay, I'm gonna do a broad search here real quick. And then we want to search for, let's see, education, and job experience level, no experience. See that right there? I don't know if you can see that on TikTok, but there it is right. No experience is 91 jobs, no experience for help desk. They're all over the US. There's not that many of them. Uh, there's only 91 that's across the entire US. They're not all, all the jobs are not posted. You gotta really, really search for these. And um, let's let's just check this one out. Let's just look at what this looks like. Here's one right here that's in, I don't know where this is. This is in another country, it looks like. Broadband, Guyana? It's in another country. But it's $10 an hour. They don't make a lot. Um, 
it's a local job. It's not remote. And there's some stuff on the job right there. So let's look at here's one that's in Massachusetts, Springfield, Massachusetts, IT support. 19 to 24 dollars an hour. They do exist. They're not usually remote. They're usually local. You can find them. They're not easy to find, but they do exist. They're going to be local. Uh, sometimes they're field tech jobs where where you're going around town uh, fulfilling tickets. Here's one that's in Montana. Here's one that's in um, Indiana, Indiana. And then if you don't find any on LinkedIn, they do pop up on LinkedIn from time to time. I don't know why. Maybe my search was wrong, but you have them on Indeed, on LinkedIn, everywhere. Another place you can go, check this out, is on Google. And you can just go uh, help desk, desk, uh, no experience, no experience jobs. Watch this. So Google has this feature where you can search. They have their own built-in job aggregators, pretty fire. So we're just going to go to jobs. And then you know it's, you know it's a no experience job because it's $15 to $32 an hour, which is not a lot for an IT professional. But it's no, they're not looking for you to have any experience. So that's pretty good. So check this out. Uh some of them are, this is a Lyft driver, um, but they do have jobs here for uh, IT professionals, but you've got to go through them. Entry-level driver, 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 driver. Wow. I just saw one that was a help desk position. No no experience. With no experience, it's just, it's going to be way harder, but they do exist. Okay, so that's what I want to reiterate. It's a lot of gig jobs in here. Damn, pretty hard. So maybe maybe Google's not the best. <laughs> I'm just, it's just too many. It's too much bullshit here. Uh, let's see. How about um, Dice? You could probably find them on Dice. Monster is also a good place to, to look for. So you kind of get my idea. You get the idea here. That's how you search for it. It's going to be difficult. They don't pay very well, but they do exist. That's why I say experience is... Experience is really important. Um, I know a lot of people don't don't have the means or have a desire to get a, a degree, but I still I still think that there's some a lot of value in getting a degree in this field. Not every field like really needs it, but this field is getting more and more complicated. It's getting it's getting more like the healthcare industry where you've got all these different tiers of uh, of workers like the hospital what i why i say healthcare is because healthcare has orderlies you've got you've got cnas you've got all the way up to cert lead surgeons you've got managers you've got it is getting that complicated where you have doctor level it professionals you've got ccie ccnps who are super deep on just one thing, just like a surgeon would be who just does brain surgery. That's all they do, just one part of the brain, and they paid a whole bunch of money. IT is getting like that. It's getting that complicated. It's getting that deep where you got one dude 
uh, one person who is a subject matter expert on WAN, on wide area networks, and that's all they do. Um, they they don't do VLANs. They don't do. Uh, they're not they're not giving out IP addresses. All they do is WAN routing protocols because it's so damn complicated. It's getting like that, like the healthcare industry has, like all these different levels and like one person doing one one thing because it's just getting so complicated to do this, and it just keeps getting more and more and more complicated. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, that's great. So somebody said that they just, Lily says she just hooked up with the, or she's going to connect with the ISA professionals. And just so you guys know, um, last week I had another um, IT cybersecurity professional and he actually mentioned ISSA. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> ISSA is the Information System Security Association and they have one in every major city uh, or city near you. And it's just a group of professionals that get together and talk. It's, they're not all firewall guys or all GRC guys. Sometimes they're just IT professionals who are trying to figure out how to integrate security into their industry. And, and AI and cloud technology and machine learning and all of these things are part of our landscape. So we have to know this stuff. So we come together and they talk about different challenges. Sometimes they'll have different vendors come in and speak to the audience, because the audience consists of a bunch of not only, uh, you know, keep in mind, these they're cybersecurity professionals or IT professionals, but they're working for major industries like they're they're working for Lockheed Martin, Raytheon. They're working for the government directly. They're working for uh, you, you know, it could be people working for Facebook or Google and they all come together and they're just sharing ideas and. Uh, talking to vendors about different technologies and different uh, tools that they can use to do their job better. Um, and sometimes they'll have jobs and stuff and openings that you could that you could look into. And then somebody says, um, I have connected with them and went to a meeting and workshop and two online. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Somebody said, what degree is best to get inside the IT field? between physical side and cybersecurity cloud side. What degree? Um, what degree? Any kind of computer degree. Any kind of computer degree is going to help you to get in there easier. Um, it, it's the reason why I say a degree is going to help you to get in there easier is because it's going to help you with your network. Net, network. <laughs> Uh, you, the people you know network, not not um, IPv6 network. <laughs> uh, so it's it's when you're in college. Now you got to use your resources. If you don't use it, you know you lose it. So when you're in college and you're working on that computer degree, you're gonna find you're gonna have peers, coworkers, uh, coworkers, students, other peers and students in that class who already start working in IT, or you're going to have peers in your class who who get their degree and go to work for another company or something like that. So you now know those people. Now you have a way 
to get in. You're going to hear them talking about, oh, yeah, I'm working at this job and here's they're looking for people right now. So that's part of your network. And then also there's internships and apprenticeships. These companies and organizations are often looking for students who are working on their degree. So that's another way in. And another thing is the school itself sometimes has partnerships with local business, with uh, captains of industry in your area who are looking for uh, intern. They're looking for uh, talented young people to come in and, and work for them. So uh, the IT degree in the IT field in particular, uh, an IT degree is going to be the best thing you can do. Like in, if, if cybersecurity or if it's a, a computer science degree or a machine learning degree or AI, whatever computer based degree uh, is going to be is going to be best for you to do um, to get in to get your foot in the door just because you have all those new ways to get in. Um, and you said between physical side and, and cyber cloud side right now, cloud and cyber are really, really hot industries. Cloud is splitting off in the machine learning and it's going into big data and it's going into, oh man, AI, large language models are using cloud. Everything is, Netflix uses cloud. Like everything's going to the cloud right now. So it is super hot. That says cybersecurity is, I haven't been without a job. I mean, uh, we've been, this is the second recession and in, in 15 years. And man, I've not been without a job. I've quit right in the middle of a recession more than once. I'm thinking about quitting right now in the middle of a recession. And I'm not worried about getting a job. I know I can get one, a high paying job at that. So cybersecurity is in need, like absolutely in need. It hasn't stopped being in need since I got in this field. Um, and they're saying it's going to be even more in need in the coming future. Like they're saying in 2030, we're going to still need people doing this job. So um, listen, both of those fields are really good. Like if you can get any kind of degree is going to get you in the, your foot in the door with both of those uh, with cyber security or cloud is going to help you with those. Do you absolutely need it? No, you don't absolutely need one, but it definitely help you. It's really hard to get in this field without experience. Um, and it's you are way more competitive if you have a degree. Um, IT degrees are getting more important. I, I would argue, I've, I've, I've heard some people say, I've, I've seen a couple articles recently about saying, um, oh, they're hiring people with no degrees. Um, and that's great. I, that's really good. I think that's really good if they're hiring people with no degrees and certifications alone. Um, but I still think, let's think of it this way. You're an engineer, right? You are, you're, you're not a scientist, right? But you are, you are an engineer. As an, as an engineer, as a technical person, what happens is we have to, we're in a, a mode of constant learning. Even myself in GRC, I constantly have to learn 
new frameworks and new standards and they change they get revisions they get new versions from time to time so they it's constantly evolving and changing and it's expanding we have to constantly evolve and get more and more information a what a degree does is it it rounds out your knowledge base one of the things i learned when i was in school was about databases I haven't often touched databases, but every now and then it becomes the center of my damn life. Every now and then I'll go to an organization and be like, oh, we have this Oracle database and everything runs off of it. And then I have to know, <laughs> I have to know how to upgrade it or something. I have to know how to navigate it, the back end of it. And it just happens, just uh, happens that I know Linux. It, it just, because I know so many bits and pieces of things i can i can figure out even if i'd never touched a sql database mysql database whatever before because i had my hands on a i i first of all i know what the relational database is and i i know the difference between that type of database and this other database because i learned it in school um, I know where to look to get more information about it. And, and one of the most important things I think that college teaches you is critical thinking and critical, like critical thinking is something I think that a lot of us lack. <laughs> and that's why you got all these conspiracy theories, not to say that there's some conspiracy theories that make sense, but on Facebook, like people just jump on the bandwagon a lot. And it's like, did you do any research on this? Consider the source and then double check the source. Critical reading and critical thinking is one of the biggest things that teaches college teaches you. Um, that's why college kids are so rebellious because they question everything and they should, all of us should. Uh, critical reading and critical thinking is about questioning what people are telling you and then researching it for yourself and then coming up with your own conclusion and hypothesis about it. It's really important. That's one of the things that college teaches you. And it's really, really important in, in, as an engineer. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is it the way you think is what the most important thing that college teaches you. And you don't have to go to freaking Harvard or MIT to learn that. Um, and, and I, I do agree, like, it's too expensive. The books are stupid expensive. There's definitely some problems with student loans and stuff. Um, I wish there was another alternative. I wish that U.S. Uh, relied more heavily on, like, things like vocational schools and things. I hope it goes that direction. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, you can't get a CISSP and get a job. You can. You can without a degree. But I, it, it still has a place right now. Degrees still have, has a place. That's just my two cents. That's just my opinion about it. Um, it's still important. And if you're, if you're on the fence about whether you should do it, you should. And start, with, start small. Start at a community college just to get your feet wet, just to get your foot in the door and start it. You know, and then you can go over to uh, a, 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 if you want to bachelor's degree or whatever, go to a uh, college, university. Um, let me see. Mm. 
how many people without a degree and I know many people without a degree and they have jobs 601 they have jobs 601 got them in yeah you don't have to have a degree you absolutely do not have a degree and I, I you do not have to have a degree um, and I know that there's a lot of pushback on degrees these days and um, rightly so rightly so the industry is is has been taking advantage of people um I, I you know I really can't defend what they're doing with books like the book prices and tuition prices and uh it's gone way beyond uh, how much we're paid our 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 pay hasn't caught hasn't um been in line with the rate of book prices and the tuition prices I do agree with that um I, I can't argue I can't I'm not gonna argue and say oh colleges are great uh there's a problem but I'm just saying in this industry if you're trying to do this long term you're trying to be an engineer one of the best things you can do is is get a degree and I'm sure I have some pushback on that and some people disagree with that somebody saying uh, there's low, there's there's low budget boot camps. I know that t TikTok is anti degree, man. <laughs> it's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make friends on this app because of it. Uh, labs are your best friend. Do not go to college. I know people who don't have a degree to have. <sighs> All right, I'm not gonna win on TikTok. Um, let me see. Larry says, um, "Oh, Larry, thanks for the twenty bucks, man. I appreciate you." Just saying, thanks. Uh, GS 13 position is opening up and I've been highly encouraged to apply. Oh, wow. So you got the job then. I haven't done my resume since 2019. Um, and your resume is a great resource and help. The podcast is also helping me uh, sell myself. Oh, awesome, man. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Larry, email me, man. I'll send you some more free stuff. Um, email me at uh, combo courses, uh, contact at combocourses.com. I got a ton of free stuff that I want to send your way. If you don't already have it, some of these books, I'll just give them to you for free. I, on my website, I have like um, some uh, some downloadables you can you can use. Just give me, just send me an email. I just need your email and I'll send it to you. It's, it's a way to market yourself. I just break down how I've, how I've done this and um, how I've been able to do what I'm doing. And it's not much, man. I'm not a millionaire. You know what I mean? But I, I have been able to take care of my family. I have been able to go and um, travel all over and take my family uh, to some of those places. It's been great. Um, I've been blessed. Right. And, and I owe a lot of that to uh to this method that i have of, of getting these positions getting these jobs so i'll send that just send me your email i just need your email to send you like a code to get in there to get those to get those books access to some of that stuff what are my thoughts on pci pci dss so pci just so you guys know is a standard used by retail industry uh to protect Organizations who use um, devices like point of sale devices to process your credit card. So they have to protect the network, the servers, the entire infrastructure that they use whenever they 
collect your credit card information, you would think, oh, man, it's protected, right? If you go to Target or you go to Walmart or wherever you're using your card, um, they have to follow something called PCI DSS. And that is a standard that walks them through how to actually protect uh, their entire point of sale system. That means the network um, is things like it's separated from the employee networks. Like you have an employee network and that network is used to do their time card. That network is used to send emails for the local holiday party or something. That network is not connected to the same network that's used to process your credit cards. Or it's not supposed to, rather, I should say. <laughs> it's supposed to be a separate network, but sometimes it's not. And that's why they call people like myself in to do an assessment. And we're like, oh, shit, you have looks like you have your guest account this merged to the not that I've seen that before uh, that I would tell you if I didn't see that. But <laughs> I'm sure somewhere in the world that kind of thing happens. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, PCI DSS. Um, it's a payment credit card industry data security standards. And it's a bunch of rules that's retail or anybody who you, anybody actually who uses credit cards or take credit cards payments, even some business I've, I've had, while I was taking credit card payments, I had to actually follow the PCI DSS standard. And they have a different profile that you're supposed to use that's based off of how you use credit cards. Like if you're taking people's credit card over the phone, there's a certain profile you're supposed to use that certain things you're supposed to do on your network. If you're if you're have if you have a point of sale device and people are putting their card in, there's certain security things you're supposed to do. If it's um Whatever the case may be, if it if it's processing credit card information in any way, shape, or form, there's certain security protocols and certain security features you're supposed to have on your network and things you're supposed to do and things you're not supposed to do. So what do I think about as far as a job? Um, I knew a, a couple guys who do it. Um, I have, if you look back, like I have a, a video going back, man, it must be six, seven years old now. But I'm sitting there, one of my first, in my first interview, I'm doing with a guy, uh, with a, uh, a peer who's been doing PCI DSS for a long time. He's He was in Georgia and I was just doing it and sat down and did an interview with him and he was telling me about the industry and, and everything. I haven't had a lot of, um, I haven't had a lot of hits on PCI DSS as far as when I put it on my resume because I have done work on it. Um, and then in with the work I've done, I haven't done it. I haven't touched it a lot, but at one of my, my last job, I, what we were doing PCI DSS and it's, I could tell you this is <laughs> very similar to risk. What you have to do with risk management framework. It's like a super light version of risk management framework or PCI DSS. Um, I mean, or, or uh, ISO 27001, sorry, I misspoke there. So uh, if you know one, you can pick up the others very, very fast. Um, okay. Somebody said they value my opinion on it. Um, they said, I feel 
you're speaking from truth and experience to help not sugarcoat it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Um, we're talking about, I'm, I assume we're talking about college stuff. Um, I'm just trying to be honest um, from what I've seen. Maybe the industry has changed. I'm an old guy, right? Just keep that in mind, TikTok. I'm an old, I'm an old guy, right? I'm, um, I've been in this industry for tw over 20 years now. And so maybe the industry is starting to shift. But in what I've seen since I've been in doing this stuff is they favor degrees. When I say they, large organizations that are going to pay you six figures favor a degree. The way around that, I've seen people who make six figures who do not have a degree have a lot of experience or they have some skill set that they're very 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 good at that that not many other people have like they're they're a programmer who's the last programmer who knows how to do uh cobalt or some shit like they're <laughs> they they know how fortrans or something or they uh, <laughs> i don't know they have some skill set that nobody else has and then the, they don't have a degree but they just know this one thing and they know it really well. And they did it for like three, four years and they know really how to do it. So that if you're trying to get six figures, I'm saying a degree is the way to go. And, and there's no, there's, there's not a shortcut to that path. It's either you're going to have to have some high skill set that they really, really need a lot of experience to make up for your lack of degree, some high level certification, some professional level certification with experience. Um, or. Um, well, I mean, I think that's about it. If you want to replace the degree, the degree is a it just gives you this much all this leverage that that can supplement, you know, uh, a lack of being super deep on some obscure tool or having 20 years of experience or having being a genius at some some kind of system or equation or something like that you know it, it's a degree it levels the playing field kind of it, it some people have an advantage that you and i might not have and a degree kind of levels that playing field but it, it the thing is if you're trying to make high level income, there's really no shortcut that you're going to have. One of those things will have to be true. As from what I have seen, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you guys my experience with it. Uh, and I'm, there's exception to every rule. I could be wrong. I mean, I keep hearing about people who are working for Google who do not have a degree, who just have a Google certification and they have six figures. I guess I don't know anybody personally who has a Google certification, who have six figures. I personally don't know them, but maybe they exist. Um, let me see here. Smooth Virus says, truth about degrees. How you doing, sir, by the way? So one of my former co-workers. <laughs> uh, also, people with a degree are less likely to get laid off when there's cutbacks. I didn't think of that. Um, they try to keep you around. That's another thing. So and the reason why I think that that is, at least in my experience, has been. Check this out. The organization wants to say they have people that have degrees. Does that make sense? 
So organization, whenever they, especially if they're working, they have a contract that's a B2B, like business to business or uh, government is a, is a good one. The organization wants to say, oh, yeah, we have three people with master's degrees. We have three people. We have 100 people with bachelor's degrees. We have it, it's it's almost like um, they're they're using your skills and your pedigree to put on their resume. Does that make sense? So that degree helps you with that as well. So like Smooth Virus said, it helps it like when they make cutbacks and they're like, oh, we're cutting these people. If the more skills and and pedigree degrees, certifications, all that stuff you have, the less they're trying to let you go. Because they want that on their resume to get, especially if they do a lot of B2B type work. And, and uh, Smooth Virus says, yes, especially if it's a federal contractor. That's exactly what I'm talking about, by the way. Larry says, in my experience working with or for the government, I was hired with a group of about 15 people. And as uh, the one with the degree, as he was the one with the degree, my starting pay was over 12K higher. That's another thing is that people with degrees tend to get more money. I mean, this is a numbers game, right? So statistically speaking, even if you think that a degree is just a piece of paper, right? It, I'm not going to argue with you on that. It, de it depends on what you do with the knowledge you gained from your degree. If it's just a piece of paper, that piece of paper is making you 12K higher per year. So if you just want to play a numbers game, run the numbers. Who makes more money, a person with a bachelor's degree or a person without a bachelor's degree, a person with a master's degree or a person without a master's degree? I'm just saying. It's a great investment, still a good investment. And I, I'm what's happening is TikTok is is on my ass about look, you don't need a degree. And I'm like, look, listen, okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm just this is just my experience. This is what I've seen having it being been in this industry. I know you don't want to know, you don't want to believe this, but I'm telling you, numbers don't lie. Uh Black Pearl says, I do not have a degree and I didn't have an experience. Um, however, I am in school now and getting a degree. That's awesome, Black Pearl. That's all. Oh, that's incredible. That's great. That's, that's great. So what I want you to do right now, right now, is start looking for work in school. Okay, what do I mean by that? I'll give you a specific example. Um, one of the people who watched me, um, who I've, I've now known for, damn, we've known each other for like six years now. He's been watching me for six years. I have another channel. Anyway, my man went to college too. He's he's in college right now, getting working on his degree. I think some kind of IT degree, computer degree. And he has a job with the school. He's a working student helping them do things like image the computers and laptops. The reason why that's really great to work on it while you're in school is because when you get out, when you get out of school, when you have your degree, you'll be able to put that experience on your resume. You'll be able to put that experience on your resume. And that experience is really the target. That's really the target. The, the degree gets you in the get your foot in the door, but that experience is going to level you up faster than anything else. Um, while you're in school, I say all that to say this. While you're in school, look for internships 
apprenticeships, try to work for the school as a working student, even if they're not paying you much or anything at all. You, your currency is experience. Do projects in the school, labs, anything you can put on your profile on LinkedIn, on Dice, on Monster. It, like you want hands-on type work experience. That's the kind of thing you want. Um, Smooth Virus says, um, I got a 40%, 40, listen, 40% salary bump when I got a degree. Numbers don't lie. Even if you think it's just a piece of paper, man, get that piece of paper, get your money. That's how you do it. And I, I'm not talking about just money, like longevity. I'm talking about stability. That's what it gets you. He also says, the other thing I'll tell you is that I'm a bit, uh, I'm a, it's, and it's a bit counterintuitive. Uh, is that the older you are, the more people will expect you to have a degree. I didn't even, I did not even consider that. I didn't even consider that, but it's true, especially as an engineer, as a technical person, you're kind of expected to keep progressing at a certain level, to a certain level. Um, and then he says, if you've been in this industry for a while, um, they'll be looking for you to begin in the management administrative positions, and those typically require a degree. He's absolutely right. This is what's been happening to me as an older gentleman. They keep trying to get me to get in these management positions or a supervisory position and things like that. If you don't have a degree, I'll tell you, like one of my last jobs, they had a, this upper level management type position and their prerequisites was way beyond just experience. They want you to have a master's degree. And um, <laughs> they want you to have a master's degree. And uh, and most most of the places I've gone to, once you get to upper level management, the pay bump was is pretty significant from what I've from what I heard at my last job. But I personally wasn't worth it for me. Personally, <laughs> me, I was like, ah, I don't know about that. But they want you to have a certain level of ex either experience or manager, I um, mean, you know, or master's degree. Some level, some combination of those two things is what you had to do to get this upper level management position. So just just kind of putting some things out there, something for you to, to think about as far as this degree thing. Um, I, I, I stand by it. You, you don't have to get a degree, but it, it's to get in this field, to get in IT. You don't have to. I know people are really counter like really, really pushing back on the degree thing and this whole culture of like, oh, you know. You can work at Google and make 100. Those are usually software engineers who, who are good at some. And I don't know if you've heard about their vetting process, but it's not easy, especially if you're a software engineer. Um, I would say they probably would hire a really, really, really good competent software engineer with no degree. Uh, but how many people do you know like that? It's, Let's be real. Like, I don't know many people like that. I do know some people like that. Some freakishly smart people who, you know, there Michael Jordan does exist. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's a talented, not only is the man physically talented, born with talent, but the man is obsessed with basketball, brilliant strategist on the on the court, but also practiced for 30 years straight. How many people? I like that. In IT, it's the same thing. In IT, you have Jordan. You have the Michael Jordans of IT. <laughs> you have you have people who are just born knowing how to. They just 
really, really pick it up fast. And then they just are really, really talented at it. Um, whether it's network engineering or software engineering, you name it. I've met these people and you, you it does exist. And then from there, they learn some some skill set and then they, you know, they they do exist. But one thing I've learned is that hard work, hard work, not just hard work, strategy. Hard work and working smarter um, beats talent every time. Every time. Every time. So I'm just trying to tell you a strategy is get that paper to get that 40% raise. <laughs> that's, all I'm, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Take your time to do it. Do what you got to do. But it's worth it. It's worth your time. It's worth your time. And if you can't do that, if wherever you don't have the resources or time, you got two kids, you're a single father, single mother, whatever the case may be. I understand life happens. You could shoot for getting a ton of experience and then uh, and then um, get a, 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 a professional level certification, which is also very hard to get and it's not going to be easy. But you, that's another route you could take. Uh, let me see. Doing sock right now. That's awesome. I think I missed some stuff on, on TikTok. So I'm trying to go through this. Let me see here. I'm making exciting progress with machine learning cyber. Oh, wow. That's incredible. So I met somebody who's who's uh, it's machine learning. Uh, who's in the machine learning. And uh, a sci basically like a scientist. And um, I seen her resume. It's pretty freaking crazy. <laughs> but she started getting into cybersecurity. So I'm really excited to see where she goes with it. Because there's so many things you can do with cybersecurity and machine learning. Really, really exciting. Really want to know, know where she goes with that. Okay, let me see. Who else we got here? I'm kind of seeing what I missed over. I missed quite a few. I'm exploring adversarial machine learning attacks and learning about measures to plan. Wow. Reading your book to understand the foundations of data privacy and security has been a game changer. Wow. What the hell? Thanks, Lily. I appreciate that. Um, it's, it's weird. Like I do this, I've been doing these for a long time and it's crazy. The kind of people that I meet. Um, I've been meeting some really exceptional people who, who've opened up my eyes on what is possible. I met a, a 30 year old millionaire. Who's watching me right now? And uh, <laughs> like, and I talked to this guy, man. I'm like, damn. <laughs> it's just it really opened my eyes on what is possible, and uh, and made me think bigger. Uh, and I met a 
some scientists on here and some uh, some really exceptional people who uh, who are making me think differently and um, expanding my my horizon on what what I can do and it's it's been really rewarding because it's it's changed my um, it's expanded my vision and uh, it's it's really been a blessing. And I'm always blown away when I meet these people. Really blown away. A lot of coworkers struggle with these soft skills uh, to include those with more seniority uh, with me. As such, I tend to stick stick out and I present written or spoken to senior leadership. Man, you're doing a lot, Larry. It sounds like you're doing, excuse me, it sounds like you're doing a lot of stuff that your normal GRC type people do. Because this is, the, what you're describing is what I, what a lot of, like I have to present to senior leadership from time to time. I mean, as a GRC person, you do. Like that's just, it's part of it. Every now and then it's senior leadership or it's IT folks people in the weeds from day to day, you know, operations and stuff. So that's the kind of the stuff you need to do. And those soft skills, especially with your average IT people are, are lacking. Um, and uh, it's, it, it's, it, you know, I think when you're younger, it's, 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 it's expected that you, you're still developing as a person when you're younger, as you get older, you get put in these different positions where you're having to kind of lead and um, whether that's lead the organization or lead a certain project or talk to people on a more uh, talk to more people. And that right there requires soft skills that some IT professionals don't have that you do need to develop at some point. So, um, soft skills, what we mean by that is, is, um, how, how to write, how to, how to explain something in a way on email that's not going to piss people off. Um, etiquette, you know, when you're speaking to people, um, just knowing how to talk to people, it, it written communication, verbal communication, those are soft skills. Um, being a leader, um, managing soft skills or non-technical skills. Without solicitation, people have told me that I'm I'm on my way to a SES. Oh wow, that's a that's a, that's in the GRs. That's a GS, a high level GS, right? That's like a general or something. Um, depending on your career aspirations, those soft skills matter. They set you apart from others with equal uh, technical skills. Absolutely. And a lot of times, a lot of times you end up leading the technical skill people. Um, technical skills can take you very far, but at some point you have to learn the, the, um, the soft skills that are required to help the requirements of the business 
or mission. Because what we're really doing is configuring and people. We're, we're persuading, we're guiding people. And it's sometimes it's difficult because you're dealing with people who um, you're dealing with all walks of life, especially if you have a, a customer base and you're dealing with the customer directly or you're dealing with management directly. You have to be able to switch gears and speak their language and tell them the and explain to them which direction we're going in their language. Um. If you're talking to technical people, a lot of times they just want to know what to do. And you just need to explain to them which way to go uh, in a way that they can understand. And that that sometimes is, is a challenge. You know, that's some that's I believe that that's uh, much harder at times than the technical aspects. And which is why a lot of my peers, some of my peers, um, they hate cybersecurity because you have to talk to people. You have to deal with people who don't want to do security, even though you explain it to them why we need to do it. And then they, some parts of management or other IT professionals don't want to do it. And you have to explain to them why. <laughs> it's, it's, it can be difficult. Um, I'm at a stage now where I'm talking to people who know why, but their communication skills are off. And that is wow! It's been difficult. I'm 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 having to work with people who really really have poor communication skills, and they're in a leadership position. That is hard. Armani says, Bruce, that's crazy, man. It's Bruce, man, it's crazy when I meet people. Uh, makes me think. It makes me think. Meet people like the millionaire dude that I met who's 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, it makes you, you know, I've met a few millionaires. Um, and each each time I meet these people, they have a special, there's a reason they got there. You know, and it's not as a as a poor as somebody who grew up poor, impoverished. Um, you you. I think sometimes you explain it away by saying, oh, you know, they, they were born that way. They were given this or given that or they were. But a lot of the ones I met. Came from beginnings more humble than me in a situation that's tougher than me or a similar situation and they made it and they made it happen and then when i talk to them i can see why there's there's a there's something that they develop along the way whether it's decision making um high level dis quick decision making um patience is a big one they have patience. They they they're able to to have patience in what they want for for a larger return in the future. And 
And that's something I wasn't taught younger. Like what I mean is I was taught what I what always said about people who have who build wealth over time is that all oh, yeah, they were given it. But what I didn't see, what I wasn't taught is that some of these guys, these self-made people, they have a level of wisdom that uh, not just wisdom, a level of wisdom and discipline that a lot of folks who remain poor don't. And that's something I wasn't taught. And that, that's a hard pill to swallow, man, because you want to believe that you you want to believe that there was something special that happened, that they won the lottery. But no, that's most of the time they made something happen. They they did something super wise and they were super disciplined and that's how they got there. And so when I meet these people in all walks of life, in every industry and every race, I meet these people. And is they have a similar quality that is remarkable. And uh it, and the the real cool thing is that any of us can do it. The 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 real special thing is that these people the it's something that they did, not something that they were born with. It's something that they they took action and they did it on a consistent basis over a long period of time. And that's how they did it. That's what they all have in common. They don't have race in common. They don't have gender in common. They don't have, they're all, they're not in the same industry. I meet people outside of this, outside of IT who are multimillionaires. And they, one thing they all have in common is that. Um, they, they, it wasn't something they were born with. It was something that they developed over time. And the good news is that that means you can do it too. All right, guys, that's it. I'm out of here. Thank you so much. I appreciate everybody who's joined this thing. Um, listen, I will see you guys next week for sure. Thank you so much for joining me. I really, I love talking to you guys. It's really great. Um, but I got to get the hell off of here. <laughs>